Hi, it's Cindy Bent Finley. Welcome to Worthington Stories. Old Worthington certainly is a charming place. It's always pleasant to walk around, maybe get a bubble tea, coffee, ice cream. Walking downtown this summer, I really enjoyed the experience even more as I started to come across large new murals plastered up on various building sites. There is a vibrant cardinal gazing from Dewey's Pizza's north wall, an intricate pen and ink of a Frenchy bulldog brought to life in a walkway between the Trinity Group Realtors and Kitty's Coffee, an almost impressionistic, vibrant rendering of the flags of the Village Green up on Griswold Center. A closer look revealed QR codes where you can find out more about the artists who created the works the murals were taken from and showed that Experience Worthington and the McConnell Arts Center teamed up to place some murals. I knew Elizabeth Decker at the Worthington Partnership had been working on the project, so I decided to ask if I could sit down with her and find out more. Beth is now Tourism Director for the Partnership, which a lot of people may not know started the Worthington Farmer's Market some 35 years ago. Her position, Tourism Director, was kind of folded under the Partnership's responsibilities when Worthington's own Convention and Visitors Bureau closed down and the Partnership changed its focus to enhancing the lives of residents along with attracting tourists and visitors. So, Beth, explain to me how the Art Walk came to be as part of that effort. Yeah, so my background actually is in art. Um, I moved here 20 years ago with my husband and a, and a, and a couple other couples to start an arts company, uh, the art company Wagus Creative that still exists in Franklinton. Um, so that is my background. So those are my those are my degrees are in. It's a really easy um, hook for tourism. Art is generally one of those things that most people can agree is interesting enough to talk about, at least to start a conversation about. And it is an easy kind of entry point for a lot of visitor experiences. And mm -hmm. so when I really started thinking about how I personally, through the office of the, the tourism director here, can enhance the old Worthington experience and enhance the greater Worthington experience, my first thought was um, was art, was making sure that we have more access to it. And the more research that I did and the more discussions that I had with visitors here and with, with residents here, I realized how foundational art is to Worthington itself. You talk about we that have, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, we have an amazing art community here. There are so many groups that already exist. The Worthington Area Art League is still a vibrant organization for people. We have the um, the High Road Gallery and Studios, which has 13 incredible artists within their walls. That's kind um, of a foundational gallery, isn't it? It is. Central Ohio. It, it really is. And it is. What's great about the High Road Gallery and Studios is that they, when I say that they're working artists, during their open hours that they, that they post and it's usually on Friday and Saturdays but it's you know other times as well check their website and their their Instagram they uh, they are actually working artists so you can walk in Jim Glover is one of my favorite people to mm. um, to go visit so he has it's in an old one of the oldest structures in Worthington it's yeah. a 200 year old house right on High Street right next to the old Worthington library and Jim has this old back porch area that's all covered in this gorgeous natural light and he paints landscapes and um, outdoor scenes and just being in his room like I feel like I'm getting chills just thinking about it because he is so talented at really capturing that but then his space being in his space and watching his process and watching him work is also really inspiring and understanding that you have the honor of being able to be there and watch him actually put these this paint on the on the canvas is a really incredible gift and there are 13 of them in that building that are doing it all the time so I it's an no actual idea. work artist studio so it's really incredible 
one is that? Are there a lot of places like that in Central Ohio? You go- I'm sure there are. I think that this one is really unique. One, because it's it's a 200-year-old building. Yeah. And you know how Worthington loves its history. We yeah. have an incredible history here. And uh, so it's a 200-year-old building, beautiful. They do these great open hours. They also do these once a month. They do these Saturday events where they have a band, where they have, um, sometimes they'll bring in a food truck and they'll open all the doors and you can just come in and, and look around. They are really active with their gallery, exhibition galleries, where they bring in outside artists and do exhibitions. They always have a really great point of view that they're really trying to talk about and their artists are friendly and open and just and welcoming and they want to talk about art so you you can't help but be inspired when you visit there even if you think that you don't have any interest in art and you are being dragged along by your partner (laughs) i promise you that you will find something that you really love and that you that you could take away from the artists that are at the high row gallery they're they're just incredible that's one of the the main ones that's one of the ways that i was kind of you know it it, that really opened up my eyes to how much we have here Mm -hmm. There's also the upstairs artist studios, and they are above Whitney House in Old Worthington. What? Um, yep, and there are three or four artists that work up there, and so we have actually we have great people right up there. They usually open; they have their open hours uh, during the uh, d- the downtown events. They'll put a sign down on the sidewalk, and you can go up. They're a little bit hidden, but they're super friendly and super welcoming. There's a couple of them that I know have been educators, art educators for their career, and this is their um, their retirement, and they're they're super friendly. So I would. Wow. I would highly recommend doing that too, going up there. And obviously the McConnell Art Center is a completely incredible, you know, renowned institution for art. I mean, it not only is a beloved building, it being one of the, the old high school buildings here in town, but it is an amazing structure. It's been around for a little over 10 years and it. Um, ha- it is always chock full of different ways to engage with art. So they always have a free gallery open to the public that you can go in, check their um, their their social media and their Facebook for the gallery open times. They have they always have artists talkbacks of the people that are working in there. They have a ton of classes for all ages of people um, and all abilities too. They have beginner classes all the way up to expert level. They even have some things where you know they'll do plain air stu- uh, classes where they actually go to parks or go to uh, riverbanks or go to like the Park of Roses and they will do plain air painting in these in these areas. That so, means painting live paint, what you exactly. see in front of you. Mm-hmm, exactly. Gotcha. So okay. painting outside. Um, they're always full of stuff. They have a great ceramic studio. They have really beautiful natural light studios for their painting and their drawing classes. And they have a full lineup of kids classes as well, which is fun. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'll be teaching uh, pottery throwing here in this fall. So oh, wow. <laughs> I'll be there as well. Play. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so we're kind of artsy, I mm-hmm. guess. Do you think people know that? I don't, I don't think I knew the extent of those kinds of yeah offerings. Yeah. I mean, there's seen. a lot. It's it's a little bit hidden, but I think if if people really start looking around, I mean, we do have sculptures in front of several buildings, particularly right here at the Griswold Center. There's a sculpture on the green. Uh, there's one over at the, the community center. It's something that I think is imbued in Worthington. I mean, we focus on, you know, the concert on the green throughout the summer with, mm-hmm. you know, our Sunday night, seven o'clock concerts. So art is, is everywhere. And I, 
I think that the more that we're able to engage with it, the more apparent it's going to become, mm-hmm. and the more comfortable people are going to be um, kind of interacting with it and using it as an entry point to learn even more about Worthington. Art can really draw people in to your community from mm-hmm. outside to your entertainment districts. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's pretty well known fact, right? The Short it is. North kind of exists because the galleries yeah, were there yeah. first, right? Do you, mm-hmm. Is that what you mean by art is important to Worthington? Yeah. To there's, your, mi- your mission? Or? I think so. There's there's so many ways to, to engage with art, like the capital A art. You could go to a concert. You could take a class. Um, you could go to the arts festival. You could come down and view, you know, the picture Worthington Art Walk. You could go and just visit the gallery at the McConnell Art Center. You could go and pop in during one of our events to the High Road Gallery and Studios when they have their open hours. So there's so many different ways to engage with art, even if you don't think that that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you feel like art is merely sitting, you know, in a gallery and staring at a painting that that couldn't be farther from the truth when it comes to kind of the action of art. You can get involved, get your hands dirty, get paint on your clothes, or you could take a stroll and view other people's work as well. And on, on both of those things are, are, are equally valid and equally important, I think, to us as humans, especially making sure that we're all, that all of us are engaging in create creativity every day as well. And I feel like Worthington can't help but inspire creativity. It's so beautiful. It's so charming. Um, it's so cute. And uh, and like I keep saying, it's very welcoming. So it's a really great way to kind of learn more about Worthington through engaging with the beauty around it. So is that what inspired the idea for the art walk? Yeah. So I had this idea a couple of years ago. You know, you mentioned Short North and they have been doing this for, I think, ever since this medium has existed. So they did, I forget what they called it, if they called it anything, but they basically blew up several paintings and drawings and used this heat sensitive vinyl Mm -hmm. to attach them to the outside of buildings in Short North. So I think that there's still, some of them are still probably there. They're not permanent. Um, They move them, they change them around a little bit. So it became a little bit like an outdoor gallery. And uh, I used to live in Short North and I remember seeing these and being like, oh man, like this would be an amazing thing to do in a community. And so fast forward, I'm in this position and I'm realizing, oh man, it'd be great to really kind of focus on getting some, getting some pieces that would, that would get people up and out of their houses and walk around. And this was at the height of uh, the lockdown. And so my first idea, uh, I really wanted to kind of move into actual pieces of art. My first idea was the history walk. Beth worked with Kate Lalone of the Worthington Historical Society and Meredith Southard from Worthington Libraries to pick up a selection of old photographs, some of them a couple hundred years old, to blow up, place where they were originally taken, and give a history along with the photo. That exhibit was popular, and Decker says she decided to do it again this summer, but this time with local art. Decker says along with fellow artists from the community, she canvassed the local art scene for submissions from artists who live or work in Worthington, and then, with a bunch of help, narrowed the list down to 15 pieces, and those became the Art Walk for 2023. It ended up, the pieces all have a bit of a natural, a bit of a nature kind of feel to them. There Again, there's no theme, um, I know, which that may make some people a little bit crazy, (laughs) but I was really looking for more about the aesthetics, more about 
you know, I want to make sure that we have sculpture in there. I want to make sure we have pencil drawing in there. I want to make sure we have painting and, and ceramics in here. And uh, I think we were successful with that. I think there's a little bit of everything. It's certainly not every medium, but it is definitely a lot of them. And they all have an uplifting and kind of positive feel. And I feel like that overarching message is very Worthington. So we were able to put the, you know, the little little story underneath each of the paintings that lists, you know, where the art, how the artist is connected to Worthington, what the piece, uh, how the piece started that, you know, they wrote these, these pieces. And then every one of them is linked to the artist's website mm -hmm. so that if somebody is really uh, inspired um, and really would like to purchase something from the artist, they have that full link and they're able to commission them directly. Oh, gotcha. Cool. So I think that gives a little explanation for people who might have bumped into one of these things mm -hmm. as they're walking around, but how then do people go about, wait, I want to see all of them. Sure. How do we find them? Yeah. So every one of the, the posters has a QR code that goes to the full list of the 15 and it comes with a map right on the website and then a, a full list. So you can do a full walking tour. We've timed it. It takes about an hour and a half. It's mm -hmm. about a mile and a half long. Oh, that's a nice um, walk. For, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's a nice walk. It's a little bit of a jaunt down to the, the, the Mac, but certainly not far. And it's right through our beautiful old Worthington. So it's certainly a very pleasant thing to do on a summer day. And you can also go into any one of the merchants in Old Worthington, and they all have the postcard maps that have the full list of the artists and then a full map, a walking tour of, um, of the art walk. Decker says at first she regretted that the works couldn't be permanent, but the vinyl only lasts so long. And in the end, she says she appreciates that it will give the city a chance if she can get funding again next year for a fresh round of images, which may be art. She says she has enough of the wonderful submissions to work with for a few years to come. Or something else. She says the partnership's already planning next summer's moves. While the murals are inspiring for sure, I, for one, wanted to know more about the artists who made these works. I guess I don't think about the fact that among all the stay-at-home consultants and bank employees and IT networkers out there, there are for real artists living and working here around us. I definitely wanted to check out the High Road Gallery, having heard what Beth said about being able to see artists at work. So off I went up to 12 East Stafford, right north of the Old Worthington Library. Okay, I actually gave one of the artists, Nikki Roby, a call, and she was happy to assemble a small group of folks for me to talk to. High Road Gallery and Studios is actually in one of the oldest homes in Worthington. It was formerly known as the Buttles Pinney Brown House, and it was built by Aurora Buttles sometime in the very early 1800s. You might remember Aurora Buttles was a founder and a mason who also built the Orange Johnson House. So when you walk through the little side garden and enter the gallery, you're getting to touch the same brick and wood Aurora Buttles put there all those years ago. I love thinking about whose hands touch old homes, don't you? You enter through what may have been a screen porch, and you find yourself surrounded by art in every turn. You walk through the kitchen, which also has art in it, into the entryway, and through room after airy white-walled room of paintings, sculptures, etchings. It's just mesmerizing. On a sunny September afternoon, I found Carol Hershey there working at a diamond dot works at a table in the breezeway between the garage and the main house. Carol, High Road's founder and owner, is all of 84 years old, but she still turns up at the gallery pretty much daily out of love for the place. She's got amazing energy and drive. We actually did a full half-hour interview that I hope to post up on WorthingtonStories.com very soon, talking about Carol's whole career and her motivations. 
I have no idea how she has the energy that she does. She used to go around to art shows all around the country selling her work. I'd love to borrow a little bit of it. I'm Carol Hershey, and then actually my married name is Carol Hershey Durrell. Carol Hershey is what most people call me. And you are the owner, founder, proprietor. I am. Of the High Road Gallery. Exactly. Can you tell me a little bit about how uh, High Road Galleries came to be? Well, I've lived in Worthington since 1964. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing, and I've been an artist for most of my life, yes. I mean, I basically started uh, uh, going to art school. I went to Cornell uh, to start, but that wasn't my art training. I basically got that at CCAD at night, and then I uh, oh. went to OSU as well. So basically, I uh, learned to do etching with Sid Chaffetz. In at OSU, so I was a full-time artist. Uh, soon as I got my hooks into something that was so exciting that, uh, as as uh, etching. <clears throat> Have you always wanted to be? Even before you went to to college, did you always want to be? An yes, artist? I did. I, in fact, my I started at the at the in Newport, Rhode Island, when my dad was at the War College, and I was I went to the art museum there and took classes for a long time so I mean basically that's where I started making art what I did then is gone but you know it's uh, yes no but anyway if after be after living here for many years loving it here and so forth and and uh, thinking uh, and then becoming a full-time artist mm-hmm. I really wanted to find a place that I could possibly have as a as a studio and I just never could find anything that seemed reasonable, you know, or uh, just wasn't wasn't possible. And I was uh, in the short north for several, uh, 14 years mm-hmm. in a gallery down there okay. and so forth. But uh, one day uh, in 2000, I was on my bicycle driving home from coming from playing tennis and I happened to see a sign out in front of this beautiful old house uh, that said, for sale. I said, oh my God, that's beyond belief. Because I never, I never would have thought that any place like this would be for sale. Well, I, I immediately jumped off my bike, right, came in. Uh, and I think I'm home. <laughs> you know, I mean, I really... Uh, the, the light in this place is unbeatable. It yeah. is very bright everywhere, isn't when it? You, when you go around and look, you'll see. Uh, but it really is has been a perfect place to show art. And my never, never knowing at the time when I first came in here that what I would get beginning into. Because the first thing I found out is this place had been completely neglected uh, in, for, for, for upkeep. And uh, was it, it someone's was, home? It was not someone's home. It was a business. Carol says it took years, but over time, a lot of the work done by her own and her family's own hands completely renovated this house, which had fallen into disrepair. I have had made a complete home of this place, <laughs> and I, I have loved, loved it. I mean, basically, it's been 25 years when you think about this. And the first 
thing I, I did was start asking, well, first I had to get it cleaned up. I had to get it, I had to make it safe. And then, and then I started inviting groups of artists to come in. Basically, I made it into a place for artists to be. Now, eventually I started bringing in artists to have more permanent places here. I mean, they could have a, a studio here. And uh, after uh, many years of doing individual art group shows, I actually pulled some artists in to be in here. And that has continued through. Right now, uh, that's morphed into uh, uh, the way we run the place. It's, I think that, that it's, it's much better that way to have the rooms all filled with artists and they are doing their own things and we are able to share with the public. Over the years, Carol has attracted a collection of wonderful local artists who have made High Road a unique spot in that it's both a gallery and a highly communal studio. Instead of just a spot, artists can rent space. I got to hear about this in person from the artists themselves. Nikki Roby welcomed me up through the huge, airy downstairs rooms, up the narrow old staircase, to one of the upstairs studio spaces where I got to meet a small circle of very welcoming and friendly folks. There's Jim Glover, who paints plain air landscape and whose work, Village Green, is featured on the Art Walk at the Griswold. There's Yanni Sheng, who made the work High Road Gallery and Studios that you can find on the side of the library just across the way. There's Bryden Schren, whose oil painting of a sweet hummingbird called Put a Bird on It shows up on the south wall of Worthington Jewelers. And it was actually Nikki's Cardinal One that I saw by Dewey's. Jim Glover spoke first. He's the artist who painted Village Green, the oil reflecting a sunny day, exuberant flowers, and flags, and the Worthington Presbyterian Church stretching up behind it. Jim's career began before he even knew it was a career, when a friend lured him into birding as a teenager. He did with me, and then a guy on my baseball team in Little League talked me into going bird watching with him, and I thought he was nuts. Uh, I thought it was snipe hunting, where He'd give me a bag, and he was going to drive the snipe into the bag, the, the old thing, and then you know it'd get dark, and so I was hesitant, but went along. And uh, I grew up in the North University area, so we went down on Lane Avenue at the Olentangy River, and back in those days there was a big swamp forest along both sides of, of the river. So we're walking along. It's almost like the you know he had his big Army Navy surplus binoculars and I'm kind of six steps behind like I'm not with the weird guy uh, and a Baltimore Oriole flew across the, the bridge and landed in a tree and I guess I was just smitten it was uh, just you know I knew Baltimore Orioles were baseball players but I had no idea there really was a Baltimore Oriole <laughs> orange and black and white and so uh, I went home and asked my dad if I could borrow some paints and a brush and kind of did a painting of that, my memory of that bird. And that became our routine, this buddy of mine that got me started. Uh, on the weekends, our dads would drive us out to Hoover Dam, Hoover Reservoir, and we'd spend the day bird watching. They'd come pick us up at dark. So your uh, first impulse was to paint the bird, it wasn't to photograph the bird, to log the bird in a book? No, I didn't know anything about identification or 
you know, the, the, the ins and outs of birding, of keeping a checklist and all that kind of stuff. It was just, it was beauty. It was, uh, mm -hmm. I was a city kid and I knew pigeons and sparrows, but to see this gaudy, tropical looking bird was, was just, uh, uh, in my case, I just felt like it was one of those things where God just, you intersected with, oh, I like art but it doesn't mean anything, and ooh, I like birds, and the, they brought those together. So all through middle school and high school, I was a bird nerd. I had three by five file cards memorizing scientific names of the birds, and uh, it was the 60s, so it was, you know, love, sex, or drug, sex, rock and roll, <laughs> and all my friends sort of started going that direction, and I kind of waded through middle school and high school with I want to be a wildlife artist. That was, was my goal. My dad did a cartoon for the Department of Natural Resources. And they talked art, and as he was leaving, they said, oh, you're an artist. Do you know anybody that draws animals? So he said, well, let me check around. So <laughs> he gave me a call and said, get in there with your little meager portfolio. So I showed up. They hired me on the spot as a summer intern. And that kind of set the course for my life. I worked with them as an intern until I got out of school, worked full time, and I was with them for almost 35 years. So. Oh wow, with ODNR. Yeah, and initially it was pretty much wildlife art, pen and ink drawings, not refrigerators, not toasters, but <laughs> flowers and birds and animals, fish, uh, and eventually that turned into designing brochures, uh, helping develop nature centers at state parks, uh, doing posters for the uh, Division of Natural Areas and Preserves and so on. So that was my career. I was downsized at 53 and suddenly had a bunch of years left to recreate myself. During that time, the computer had come along. So suddenly what I used to do was gone. Everybody was a graphic designer. Everybody was sitting at a computer. And my love for the outdoors and especially for slapping paint and smearing paint around was was gone. So it was kind of a, a good nadir for my leaving ODNR, uh, forced me into what I, what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, I moved a little more toward Impressionism and more toward landscape painting. I still dabble in wildlife art on occasion. But have really been enamored of plain air painting, which is what the Impressionists did out in the nature, and uh, landscape painting. So. Jim has designed works for the Ohio State Fair, painted for Ranger Rick Magazine, for the EPA, many more publications and outlets. Jim's become a force in the world of plain air painting, teaching classes now, holding outdoor painting sessions that anyone can come to. He's won awards at plein air painting competitions and juried art shows around the country, and who knew, but plein air painting competitions and events are becoming a total thing. Over the years, I've come to, to look at my work. When I, when I was a wildlife artist, you were forced to copy photos. Mm -hmm. I mean, birds don't sit still, <laughs> uh, so you had to work from photos. And I got to be a good technician, just translating an image into paint. Uh, in recent years, I've become uh, much more of a director of the play that I'm painting. So I a lot of times think of uh, Thursday night dress rehearsal. Everybody's in costumes, you've got the stage props out, the set is there. You bring up the lights and the director thinks, this is not quite, this isn't saying what I want to say. 
So let's move this tree over to the other side there. And Bobby and Susie, can you come in front of So you begin to manipulate the and orchestrate the elements that are there mm -hmm. so it begins to say what you're, you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, I, uh, if you've been to movies where they start out based on a true story, <laughs> and you've read the true story, mm -hmm. yeah. and then they embellish and they, well, wait a second, he didn't fall for that girl, or, you know, they didn't mm -hmm. live there, they didn't do that. That's kind of what I'm doing as I develop a painting. Uh, I'm a, based uh, typically on a photograph or a plein air study. Mm -hmm. It's based on, on that true story, but I'm the boss, and so I can, uh, I have a little card in my wallet. It's my, uh, actually my artistic license that allows me, what it basically says, the holder is endowed with supreme control over their artistic design and is entitled to depart from all rules without penalty. <laughs> so I try to embrace that, you know, to a point. I typically don't do a 180, but uh, a lot of times it, in fact, I've, I've been with nature painters, plein air painters for decades, and you frequently hear there's no perfect scene. Uh, there's always something, if you could just tweak this, or so we talk about a mental chainsaw where I, I don't like that tree, so I'm going to cut it down, and this one I'm going to move over to the side. So you do do a lot of that kind of thing. So it, it is, it's envisioning kind of the end product. and then His love for sharing the joy of art really flows through everything he does. I personally would be intimidated to show up and just start trying to make something as lovely as his work, but he's got such a calm, warm spirit. I can see why people are drawn to painting with him. He even teaches at the Friendship Village of Dublin Retirement Community. My star student just turned 98. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, just started painting about five years ago. And he's a very good, very good painter. Oh, that's great. Uh, Never too late. <laughs> no. He's told me a couple of times that he'll be reclined in his rocker in the living room and it's time for bed and he thinks, you know, I could just never get up. But Jim's coming tomorrow and I want him to help me on that picture I'm working on. Along with Jim, I talked to three more Art Walk artists. Bryden Shuren, Yanni Shang, and Nikki, of course. Um, my name is Bryden Shuren. Um, I am from Powell, Ohio. Technically from um, Erie, Pennsylvania, but grew up in Powell. Hmm. But I, let's see, you had a very... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just dig, I, just dig. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> How old are you? I'm 35 years old, and I, my grandmother from um, Cook Forest, um, Pennsylvania, kind of taught me my art ways. Mm -hmm. So she was a, like a nature painter and did some woodworking, and uh, she kind of took me under her wing. So I am a trans person mm -hmm. um, and so being the only granddaughter of this entire family of a bunch of grandsons I was the one that was kind of taken under my grandmother and all the grandsons were doing this the like the Boy Scout stuff yeah. and um, my grandmother took me in and I painted and but I, I loved it I was always with her as she had her s cigarette just ashing on the paintings. <laughs> she was a she was also a painter, mm -hmm. um, and so she taught me kind of the basics, and then after that, I kind of self-taught and went to the University of Dayton for um, 
photography and graphic design and Brian has definitely made a life in art here in Columbus. He opened Brickbox Studios in Grandview some 12 years ago, which houses a stable of 10 to 15 artists and manages that business, does commercial photography, custom artwork for clients, helps run Mr. Seams, a custom embroidery business too, and is represented at Haley Gallery in New Albany. Brian's work is like a forest of emotions on canvas. Well, often that's literally what it represents. Anything that involves with the arts, I want to be involved in um, to the point where I don't sleep. <laughs> like color. Um, color just like makes me feel good and there's a lot of emotion with color. And I do a lot of paintings that kind of have traces of, which is I guess my, my background in, in the painting so that you can kind of feel my experiences into the painting, if that makes sense. So I call them my like little baby gay paintings. If somebody identifies of the like the bisexual flag or the trans flag, they can find my little baby gay paintings and like, like kind of find comfort in the in the painting. And then they can, uh, if they're not like out, they can they can have like this little bit of pride with them with this like little painting that's kind of incognito but they know. Um, so it's kind of this nice little thing that I do and, and that envelops with all my other art where I just love color and embrace it and, and taking kind of this abstract surrealistic style of, of very watered down but messy but playful but then you can still see that there's a, a house or a tree in the painting. Next, we moved on to Yanni Sheng, who is sitting with her pup, Cupcake. I have to apologize for the sound quality of this next bit. There were some pretty crummy mic noise going on. I've got the beginner recording blues, I tell you what. We're, there's two folks sitting in the next chair. Uh, I have Cupcake here, <laughs> a.k.a. Dr. Pepper. That's when she was rescued. Uh, my name is Yanni, mm -hmm. Yanni Sheng. Um, I was born in Taiwan. And I was also raised in Belize. So my first art experience is just being an introvert child. Um, my mother was so afraid of me drawing the wall and the floor. So she brought like stacks of papers and pencils for me to do. And I was super young, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that was like three or four. And from that time, drawing was like a release. Yanni says drawing anything she could, snails on sidewalks, tiny worlds around her, helped her deal with tension in her family. Her mother's encouragement was a gift, she says. When she was about seven, her family broke up and she moved from Taiwan to Belize, which sparked even more creativity. Um, I gotta say, I've seen a lot of color in Taiwan, mm -hmm. but i never seen such a beautiful tropical colors growing up. I mean, that always resonate with me. Like, I got that. Oh, as soon as I see all these colors, those are ideas for me. Those are inspiration. So a lot of my, um, my education is all towards that. Sheng went north from Belize for college, earned her BFA from Memorial University in Canada, focusing on oil painting, sculpture, block carving, and printing. She had no idea what she wanted to do with her artistic life afterward, but was given the opportunity to teach summer camp one year and was impassioned by that experience. She says the guidance and compassion 
showed to her by her own professors, who helped her through learning she had dyslexia and helping her learn to express her experiences through art, became something she wanted to pass on to others. She went on to earn a BA in education also from Memorial. She eventually married a Dubliner, Dublin, Ohio, of course, which brought her here. So lucky us. Now she's part artist, part teacher. She instructs classes at McConnell Art Center as well as in Mansfield and exhibits and sells art at various galleries around central Ohio. All of the artists' careers at High Road are very intertwined. Shen's first Columbus area show was at Brickbox. It can be a little confusing as to who brought who, but all of the artists have set in motion chains of connections. Nikki Roby met Sheng at one of Sheng's exhibitions at Sharon's Gallery and enticed her to come grab an open space at High Road. Roby herself says she had a much more convoluted path to art than some of the others. Well, gosh, I wish I'd gone first now because in comparison with these three people... <laughs> I don't people, think so. I'm a pretty dull story here. I don't think um, so. Because I came to art very late. You did? Uh, or art came to me very late, I would say, yes. Um, so... I'm originally from Belgium, uh, born and raised in Antwerp, Belgium. And, um, you know, I didn't really do any art when I was a kid. And in the Belgian schools, you know, we may have had some drawing or sketching or something, but really no art classes. And then uh, when I was 17, I came to um, the United States as an exchange student. And I was um, placed in Urbana, Ohio. Roby had her first art class there in Urbana, and she very much enjoyed them and found drawing came easily to her, but she said she never really considered becoming an artist at that point. She had a natural love for languages. As a Belgian, she grew up speaking French, German, and Dutch, and had to learn English in school, and I am so jealous of all that. Then she added Spanish, became a Spanish interpreter, and went on to get her PhD in Spanish literature here at Ohio State because she'd enjoyed her experience here. She met her husband here, raised a family of three children here, and as they grew older and more independent, she started to turn back to art. She actually took a class with Jim Glover, another area artist she took classes with too, and developed a passion for abstract art. You know, in Antwerp, of course, there's a lot of representational art, very good, you know, um, art by the great masters. Mm -hmm. you know, we, Antwerp is the city of Rubens, mm -hmm. and... Uh, his art is all over the place, everywhere you look, in every church and in every museum. And, and um, so, you know, I like, I like all art, but um, as far as practicing, I, I, I much prefer abstract art um, because I feel like I can let the material sort of speak for itself and it sort of develops into something um, I, so I, I usually start with no preconceived plans in a certain way, and then I step back and look what comes out of that mm -hmm. thing. And so sometimes it's something representational, and I will encourage, you know, whatever comes out, like maybe give it more shape or whatever. And, uh, and sometimes it just stays completely abstract, and to me it's exciting because of the colors or the, the forms that I see or things like that but um so yeah i'm i'm, I'm pretty much self-taught except for some classes and never went to any art schools or um but you know i try my best <laughs> so do you 
um, focus on um, selling a lot of your art? Do you or do you focus mainly on making? Is it a, a lot of a business for you? Um, not really a business. I mean, it's. I think if you make art, you, it's you know you don't make it in in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, art is meant to be seen, and meant to be shared, and so. Um, you know, I know artists who sort of, you know, sit in their studio or in, you know, in their home and create things and they create beautiful things and they have no interest in the public seeing it. They have no interest in selling it. Um, and that's, that's good for them. I'm, I'm not that way. I like other people to see it. I like to talk about my art with other people. Like sometimes people will come into my studio and they'll say, oh yeah, there's a something or other in there that I had not seen in, in that piece. And that to me is very fascinating to just have this connection with other people and they may see something in the art that I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also a fascinating thing I think about uh, abstract art is that you can always see other, other things um, in it than originally you were thinking or doing. Brian, you do some abstract art too. Is that kind of how you approach it? Or do you think that your abstract art, do you start with an idea that you want to get across through it? Or is it like that? Um, a lot of my abstract art, I would say, is a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so in my, my artwork is something that has helped me get through a lot of emotional trauma and yes, um, struggles, because I, I grew up um, having like an IEP and actually also having dyslexia um, all of us came together um, <laughs> and having um, like a, like troubles with family and like just being bullied and things like that so art has been a way for me to express emotions so a lot of my artwork will have this like like kind of like a looming of a cloud or darkness to it but then like finding the light and finding joy and bringing light into it so mine is it's all about like the color and then once I get this array of color on it and then I start thinking like okay do I want to add a tree do I want to add a house do I want to add something that gives an element to it mm -hmm. a bird mm -hmm. um and so it usually starts off with just a mess of a concept of, <laughs> of color chaos is what I call it. Um, and then it turns into more controlled chaos. And then I create elements to be put into it. Um, and, I'll, and I was talking to Nikki about showing her how I do it where I'll put it on my computer and I'll brainstorm concepts of after I've already gotten the first few layers onto the painting, I'll get the the kind of crazy color into it and then I'll put it on my computer and I'll brainstorm things I've already done in the past or um, just ideas like, oh, do I want a tree on here? Do I want poles? Do I want a house? Do I want a cityscape? Do I, it just kind of helps me because I used to do it with tracing paper mm -hmm. and that's when you have to digitalize everything, you know, mm -hmm. going from old school, tracing it and putting like five different layers of tracing paper down on it and changing it mm -hmm. and now... I just digitalize it and it makes it easier but yeah I guess a long story short I go from just whatever my feelings are and then I hone it in at the end mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. so you you said that you change a lot 
you change your your style, you change your medium, you change your, yeah. So what are you trying to say now? What do you think with the carving? a lot of time with my work is very conceptual. So I start with a concept. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, what do I want to do? It's like, okay, if I start with the concept of flow, what is flow? Mm -hmm. You know, I question myself, just constantly bouncing back with myself with ideas. And then I said, you know, I really, I was very, a huge participation on yoga for a long time. And then I decided with the work that I want to do in that series, it's going to all about human body and its movements. Mm -hmm. So then that concept are fully developed and all I have to do is implementing it. Mm -hmm. How to process that? What am I going to do? What style am I going to participate so I'd rather grow my new style mm-hmm. so instead of like borrowing what is before and now trying to kind of get a good sense of what I'm thinking I see flow as this liquiding liquefied is moving but almost like you know an oil on a surface of water mm-hmm. it has this weird shimmering but in and out and there's streaks of flow I see that to be very I find fascinating so I always try to find my sense of flow so able to create, you know, a series of it. So basically medium-wise, oil, and conceptual-wise, flow, and flow and its body. And then that will be for six years. <laughs> gotcha. It'll take me about two years to really get built a whole series. So basically 13 canvases mm-hmm. or 15 canvases. And then... I have exhibition and then I'll start another different, um, another series of work. Shang moved on through COVID with a series of block carvings after the flow paintings. Her first series focused on, as she says on her website, individuals protecting each other by wearing their masks. It's a series of prints she calls Faces in the Time of COVID and she won a Juror's Choice Award for her Ohio Arts Registry exhibition of that work. She's continued this year with with block carvings and prints, but redirected in the style of traditional Japanese and Chinese art. I'm start working into more traditional Japanese and dogs, mm-hmm. you know, because of cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> and then also Hyrule Gallery. I got when I first visited here is back when um when I was modeling for one of the artists was in a resident in this building ah yeah and then i found out this is a 200 year old building i love antiques <laughs> <laughs> i love vintage and i find it just amazing i'm observing every corner the doorknob I appreciate it and being in this gallery makes me feel pretty lucky like i'm being a 200 year old home like it's like i'm living in the history of that like uh-huh. i'm part of that history growing with the house kind of like that so, yeah, I, I, I think this place gives me a lot of inspiration. So t- tell me, all of you, about this place and um, how, like, what, what is it? I've heard it's unique to, to yeah. Central Ohio area. And can you guys tell me what you mean by that and how, you know, you're being an artist here, what it means to the place and to you and... Yeah, I think it is unique because we are um, a group of artists Mm -hmm. and um, we're really not just renters at this place. Um, We... um, So is there a a 
traditional model for galleries that this is not? I, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> personally I don't, don't know anything. They're anything. all different. Like, we're yeah? all different. Yeah, it's like you're in a community with all different disciplines and you get along. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're there because we all have the same passion. It's all art, you know, creativity. I think that really drove us, like, you know, when I sometimes have, you know, a question about oil painting, I go to Jim. I say, how should I wash my brush in a certain way without fumes and all that stuff? And he gave me such a good idea, you know, pine saw and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then Brighton will come to me, you know, let's talk about some printing. Maybe later he's going to do it. We're very supportive with mm -hmm. each other. And I think that's what makes it more unique. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of places where... Uh, artists rent studio space and, and they just you know, you in know and out. but I think I mean we are actually we're trying to keep the place going as well I mean we do certain jobs around the around the place we try to connect with our community a lot mm -hmm. um, uh, you know we we like being in Worthington but Worthington sometimes is not aware of us and so <laughs> we're trying to change that whole um, thing we we want to be known as as a as a nice art gallery and and we like people to come in and visit us and um, and so to do that we have to organize events and um, we're all part of that everyone here is helped with that you know Jim was saying he was painting outside last Saturday mm -hmm. that attracted some people they, yeah we had a little boy who had never seen somebody do live painting mm -hmm. apparently so <laughs> that was great you know, we're having a carnival this Saturday yeah. where we're gonna, you know, have people find do a treasure hunt through the gallery. This is, you know, this is not somebody one something one person can do. You need a whole community to be part of that oh, yeah. and say, okay, yes, I'll be there. Not with every event, not with every, you know, but it's, um, you know, I think I think the the the. Uh, tie to the community is is um, is very important for art. It seems to me to be very unique in that, well, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about art galleries, but my experience of them is walking around with your hands in your pockets and <laughs> look, you know, looking, maybe asking a question or two and definitely trying to have a glass of wine in your hands and yeah. that's pretty much it. Right. it you but can this do is... that here too. <laughs> yeah, you can. If you yeah. want, yes. Yeah. That sounds fun. But we definitely <laughs> engage. But like, yeah, but yeah. to have kids going through the gallery on a treasure hunt, that's not something that you pick traditionally would think right. of happening at a gallery. Yeah. This, this, the, that's, it's different here. Yeah, yeah, kids find it yeah. pretty fun. I mean, we yeah. had last year treasure hunts. And too. really, if you can inspire even one kid to, yeah. you know, like this and want to try it out at least, you mm -hmm. know, that's that's really, you know, one of our goals too. At least mine is to, you know, inspire somebody else to. Absolutely. You know. We talked for a while about how the galleries run very communally, with resident artists required to hold open house tours to welcome the public. They meet monthly to go over gallery business and vote together on inviting visiting artists. And for example, the shows for next year, um, you know, what guest artists we, are, we will have, we all voted on this year. Mm -hmm. And so we had, you know, you could uh, have a, a list of prospective artists and we looked at all of them. We decided together um, which artists we thought would make good shows in this uh, in the next year. And other things we vote on. Um, 
So we try to do as, as many things as possible. We have uh, lists of jobs that we do <laughs> that you know we all have to take responsibility for. And um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, an opening it's hours. A, it's a communal thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. opening hours. Um, you know, happy hour. I hold you kind of accountable to come in and work. Yeah. Like I, because I run another gallery in Grandview and I talk about how I would love for this to have a feeling of community and people interacting and here, but it is very quiet. Um, you don't see a lot of people in the building, but they're there, but they close their doors. So mm-hmm. this, this building seems to always have an open door policy kind of thing. You don't have to, but we took our door off the hinges. <laughs> um, some other people don't ever, like you don't ever really see a door shut unless maybe they have a meeting or something, but it's very rare. My other building, the doors are always closed. Um, so unless we have an art show, then it feels warm and welcome, but here it, you always have that feeling. So it's kind of nice feeling this, this real sense of community where, yeah, we have jobs and we have kind of hour logs, but that holds us accountable to stay as a community instead of somebody just coming in here using it as storage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. nobody wants that mm-hmm. you know, we want we want to feel like we're helping each other out we can communicate like mm-hmm. I stopped in last night and Yanni was, was here working here. and it was nice to just like chat, chat, hey chat. Um, and that's really <laughs> nice to be able to do that my other place it's it's dark quiet nobody's in there I don't <laughs> know what is around the corner mm-hmm. so it's 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 starkly different if you're at like 400 West Rich Street there's hundreds of artists in there and oh yeah um, you don't know, like, your neighbor compared to the person that is, like, all the way on the other side of the building, which feels like it's a mile away. Mm-hmm. It's, um, so it's just different. And this community mm-hmm. here, it's really nice and humbling and, um, yeah, it's, it's a good... And we're close to the old Worthington Library. That's nice. I know. <laughs> well, you want resources. You just cross the road. That's you great. You print something, we cross the road. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. We also have sharings uh, monthly during our meeting where if you have a, a piece of art you, you want to show off or you want some help on or you want just uh-huh. somebody to give feed, you know, mm-hmm. other people to give feedback or you just want to say something about it, we, we do that during the meeting. We can show to the others and, you know, um, that's also a nice. So everybody's art, it seems very different from each other's. But at the same time, you guys are all, in a sense, working together. Do you think that being here has changed your art and how you guys work and what comes out? Oh, yeah. I'm so inspired by Jerry's work. Mm-hmm. The colors, the beauty, that, that, that watercolor. She just makes it work. And I love tropical you know, palm trees. And mm-hmm. I make sure she put those up there. Where, where, that's a... That's the palm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, the coconut tree. Two gorgeous, yeah. vibrant, One but different at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot Paintings. of her work does really inspire. When I was downstairs, I was inspired by um, Deb and Mike. They're sculptor and, you know, landscape artist and also pet artist, too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> got Great. me like, oh, yeah, I'm going to teach a class doing, you know, carving. And then carving dogs. <laughs> yeah, so it's really fun. Is there a market for art here? Do you guys find it a great, a good place to actually sell sell art, make a living in art? Yeah, I don't have a hard time with it. Yeah, I think I, it's 
It's very underground. Yeah, it's very... Very yeah. underground? What does that mean? Underground, like, um, it's not like New yeah. York, where, like, yeah. it's big and booming, you know it's an art scene, mm-hmm. but it's, like, you know, like, if you're underground, you kind of, and you're in the scene, you know where there's art, these art things are happening, mm-hmm. you know the communities to go be a part of, you know where to go to sell your artwork, you know what markets to be involved in. Um, if you're an outsider, it might be hard to find all of these art activities that are happening, but it's thriving. We mm-hmm. are definitely have a luscious mm-hmm. art scene in Columbus, mm-hmm. I would say. I think so, too. Yeah. Actually, when I first moved here, I feel the art scene is very... It's, it's bigger than what, what I previously was at, so that, that's my own comparison. Um, I think for anybody that moved here, it takes about two years to really find your way and what's happening in the community, you know, and trying to get with the group or being part of a uh, community. Mm-hmm. Some of them will be like in Dublin um, Area Art League or Ohio, Ohio, um, Ohio Art League. Yeah, Ohio Art League and mm-hmm. a few other ones. That Creative Arts Council, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Urban Scrawl. Yeah. Um, being, I find it really good being participated in that. You get some information about a lot of stuff and where to show your work. And some exhibiting yeah, and you mentioned the Worthington Art League. Mm-hmm. Is that still a very active entity too? Yes. Yeah. And along with it is uh, kind of an offshoot is the Central Ohio Plain Air Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the largest plain air, you know, outdoor painting group in Ohio, and the most active. So basically, from April to the end of October, every Saturday there's a group of painters out somewhere. They so they vary the location. It can be Innisfil, but they paint on the green down here. They painted high banks mm-hmm. uh, all over central Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, some weeks they're having 35, 40 people show up to paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last I heard, they've had a, over 180 people have been members of the group at one point. So it's it's centered here in in Worthington in in, in central Ohio. Is that a is that a I don't want to say commercial, but is that you know are are you talking about artists who do this for uh, passion? Are you talking about? Do it? Does it create a market? The fact that there's so many painters in that genre. Uh, plain air painting has become a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very popular. There, you can find dozens of invitationals or open air, open competitions huh. for plain air all around the country. There's a plain air magazine uh, that features artists, you know, month after month. Uh, so it's become quite a big thing. And some people do sell their work, but it, it's also become a little more visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at Innisfil a couple of weeks ago, and people were, what's this? I've seen artists painting every, everywhere. So it's just another opportunity to engage with the public and make them aware of, of what's out there and what, what's, what's happening. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, for artists moving here, you have to meet other artists. So, yeah. I mean... I was very fortunate that, you know, I really wanted to put my art out there and I wanted to really meet other artists. And because artist group, it, one is great, but, you know, when you have a group, it makes it stronger. We have more, more brain is better than just one thinking, right? So all, everybody's able to contribute their ideas. And I'm very happy being here and especially got into Dublin Era Art League and Ohio Art League and... Ohio Art Council opportunity for grants and stuff like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, actually, Columbus is 
one of the very few cities in like the, across the country that I know that is so active in giving back to the arts. Mm-hmm. That we have so many grant and money opportunities to give to artists and like paying it forward. I've talked to a lot of different people in other cities that they don't know how like they struggle with getting supplies mm-hmm. or renting studio spaces, but we have. Um, organizations that will give you money to help pay for your studio or help pay for a project you're working on or or supplies and it's really it makes you not want to leave the city well it was so inspiring to be able to sit down in person with the people who created these works we've had the great fortune to see all summer long on our downtown streets it also makes me want to check out the work of other worthington artists Beth Decker says there are so many more working hereabouts that there's plenty of fodder for another art walk in the coming years. I'm going to look up more of the art walk artists. Remember, you can check them out at experienceworthington.com backslash art walk. There's also the McConnell Arts Center, remember, for lots more access to art in Worthington. I love seeing the works of local artists up on shops throughout the downtown. We are artsy. I can't recommend a visit to High Road strongly enough. I'm excited to check out their Thursday night open houses from 5 to 7. Seems like a great idea for a happy hour to me. There are eight more artists you can meet there and whose works are at the gallery to see on Thursdays and also on Fridays from 1 to 4 and Saturdays from 11 to 4. You can often find Carol there working on her latest diamond dots at other hours as well. And keep an eye on the highroadgallery.com website to see what visiting artists are on tap. For example, the 2023 Central Ohio Plain Air All-Member Show will be at the gallery through mid-November. I will definitely be there to check that one out. Thanks to Beth Decker for her help with this episode and all of the High Road folks. Thanks as always to the City of Worthington and the Community Relations Commission for their generous seed grant to get this podcast started and to Eric Nesda for his extremely generous permission to use his tune North of 50 as the soundtrack to this podcast. You should check out his work at Gnezda, that's G-N-E-Z-D-A, Gnezda.com. You can find more of this podcast, including links to extra in-depth information about this and previous episodes at WorthingtonStories.com and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I've also started an Instagram and a Facebook page where you can comment on shows and catch up with me. Subscribe. Let me know what you think at our website. Catch you again soon on Worthington Stories.